1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. So we are three of us here. Uh, producer Amanda Mina. Hello. Hello, Amanda. And co-host Allison Williams. Hello. Good afternoon. We are going to uh, include on this episode an interview with David Hayward, who... A.K.A. Referred, Naked Pastor. Naked Pastor. We'll so explain exciting. that later. Now, it's important. <laughs> let's right off the top, though, say it's important to put a space between naked no, and... No, 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 no. Okay, no. The opposite of that. Opposite. Don't do that, listeners. No spaces. Oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> put down your computers right now. And do not put a space between naked. It's all one word. And pastor, because you don't want to see what happens. But naked pastor, nakedpastorstore.com. Safe for work. So I'm going to, in speaking with people like naked pastor without a space, um, we've kind of made some new connections through this podcast and found uh, other people who were talking about some of the things we're talking about, deconstruction, Mm -hmm. hopeful theology, various things. And it strikes me that in that conversation, I'm reminded of, it's not only the evangelical church, it's any kind of system where it's kind of a closed system where messages are sent that it might be dangerous to speak to people from outside that system or, you know, oh, they, but they think this, so you better Mm. not listen to them. Mm -hmm. Or they, does that start when you're younger with, um, I didn't necessarily have this that much in, in, in the Baptist church I was in or even later in some other settings, but does that start with a direction that you better have Christian friends? Oh, yeah. Well, there was so certainly you, a distinction at the least. So you're, you're okay to have... There was a have, label. You're Christian friends and you're non-Christian friends. So you have Christian friends and non-Christian friends. And I'm not sure I had non-Christian friends. So I went to a Christian school as well. You went to a so Christian school. It was all, you go to all church, Jesus all your the time. Your social thing is, your social or all church all the time at least. All church all the time. Yes, yeah. not necessarily always Jesus. Yeah, and so what's the warning against having non-Christian friends as a young person? I think that might be obvious to some of our listeners, but what is the warning? I think it was similar to the Christian music versus non-Christian music. So it, this idea that if you expose yourself somehow. I don't know, right. through the things that they think differently than us or the words that they use that are different than ours. Or that it might pull you away? Yeah. yeah. So I friends, think that was always I mean, in the, the teen setting, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that was always the fear that it would, yeah, lead you astray, mm-hmm. pull you away from God. Part of that kind of conversation of, oh, the youth, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it still goes on, but... Young people today, it's there's this danger, yeah. danger, danger out there, and if you have non-Christian friends, you'll start doing drugs and something else. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, well, yeah. Doing and drugs, have sex. having sex. Okay. Let's just say it. <laughs> yes, and always about sex. Yes. And although it turns out you didn't need a non-Christian to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> As it turns right? out. Yeah. <laughs> Who could have known? Yeah. So, um, or do drugs probably too. <laughs> but 
I don't think those are exclusively non-Christian activities. So as we now speak to uh, the naked pastor, and we made some connections with other people as well, have we found some dangerous friends? Is that... Yeah, I think so. I mean, from that context. Yeah, you yeah coming out say, of that are, angle, are we absolutely. thinking they're dangerous? No, or we don't. Would, yeah. Because uh, I, I think definitely, I mean, the term, the term of heretic has been thrown around for forever. Oh, my goodness. So you could, have, you could have people who find out that, oh, you spoke with so-and-so. Do you know that they think this? Yeah, and those then sorts that of things would like, happen. Then they should not be listened to at all, or you should, right? Well, there certainly is, is a label of warning, and I would say that at least as I understood things growing up, um, fraternizing with somebody who had an incorrect understanding of faith was almost worse than fraternizing with somebody who had no understanding of faith. Right, so if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus and you're speaking with someone who doesn't Does believe in the resurrection, yeah. that's like a, don't well, do that. Well, that's an opportunity. because That's like mm. why you have non-Christian friends, so you can witness to them? Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? Right. So, Allison, you've taken a history course recently, and some of that has been, you mentioned heresy. Oh my gosh, so many heretics. Um, <laughs> a long history of heresy. Long and storied history, yes. So... Well, tell us about some of that. How has that worked, like, in church history? Well, uh, the the course that I took was, like, early Christian history. Um, so, like, from, from the time of the Bible until uh, about 500 CE. And before Constantine and kind of that whole shift to Christendom. And so Constantine's like a Roman emperor. Was a Roman emperor. Who adopts who, Christianity as a state religion. Yeah. Okay. There, there's, like, a, a legend that he had a vision... Uh, of putting uh, the symbol of Christianity, the Cairo, on on his standards, and then he won a war or a very key battle. And it's and then he made it, everybody did that get happen or not? After it's, that, everybody had to get baptized. And blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. It, it's a little more complicated. Yeah. But in before that, when when Christianity was not the state religion, um, mostly there was a lot of really really angry and mean letters exchanged between church leaders calling each other heretics and always associating like a negative connotation. Like, do you know that like you to lead even one of these astray, right. it would be better. Like that that sort of stuff. Right. Um, it got significantly more violent after um, Christian leaders were able to uh, bring in the state. To help fight their battles for them. Use the power and weapons of the state to well, imprison, burn people, do whatever. Oh, yeah. And there's this really crazy church council that, that we learned about that where Augustine uh, enlisted a whole bunch of monks from the monastic communities around Egypt and brought them with him to the synod and then beat up the guy... Flavian, I think, that didn't have the correct understanding and made everybody there sign a blank document that they wrote in after what they were all going to sign. And I think, yeah, Flavian died from that. So he, he was deemed a heretic, and that, that's how you dealt with heretics. But heresy, in some cases, became orthodoxy. Became well, like, this I mean, is the proper thing to the, believe. The actual term is quite benign. Like, the, the literal meaning of it is um, that it's different stories, Kind of like that. It just means that there's there's a variety of understandings right. of things, um, and so it's taken on a whole different meaning, and certainly has 
always a negative connotation. It's much more negative now. Yeah. Ooh. No. Um, and it, and you'll see people now like kind of reclaiming it. Like there, there's an account called, uh, was it your, your favorite? Yeah. Your, your favorite, favorite heretics. heretics. Yeah. They've got a YouTube channel and Instagram. They've got some good stuff. Yeah. And it's, there's part where there's certainly things I believe now that would have been deemed heretical in the community I grew up in. If, if you go to some of the older ways of thinking, or they're still, I think, present and current in some circles, religious and otherwise, if you thought that somebody thinking a certain thing, you know, could lead other people astray into terrible danger, be that earthly or the afterlife, right? Like if, if, if you listen to those people, you're in danger of the fires mm-hmm. of hell or something, mm-hmm. right? Then it does make perfect sense in that framework to say yeah. it would be better to kill those people than to then allow them allow to, to to lead people to like well, eternal damnation or something like that but the church doesn't operate that way anymore no i mean it certainly did in in the context of of like christian antiquity because there was also the understanding back in like the first couple of centuries of um kind of either universal blessing. I mean like universal in the sense of like communal blessing or communal cursing. So your neighbor having an incorrect understanding of God, um, could lead to famine throughout the entire empire. Right. Um, because that's how you knew that God or, or the gods were either happy or upset with you. And so for, for, for certain people, they, they, there was a real fear that, um, incorrect, understanding and practice could lead to disaster for everybody. So that's what we have the remnants of still. And for those mm-hmm. of us who from certain church cultures, I know what it's like, like as somebody who like, you know, we all at this table like to read a lot and have the, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, Oh, what if this book is written by somebody who isn't, <laughs> you know, in the, in the fold, so to speak, or, but our guest today in what we've, come across in his work and he talks a lot about freedom yeah Mm -hmm. and and freedom is freedom from that kind of judgment and i also think that there's something that if an idea leads to to good like or or if an idea is false just false then eventually it will be shown to be false like we don't have to freak out we don't have to kind of and and so it's one of the things that i really like about about david hayward and the way he speaks will also show in our you know in the way we speak with them hopefully that um that there's that pastoral side to it's okay yeah. if you don't believe this mm-hmm. or if you do believe this or whatever there's there's something more important and so but it is interesting that at, even as we've kind of started this endeavor this podcast and other things we've come across many people um asking similar questions and being accused of similar things like uh oh you might be kind of outside of the of the You're framework dangerous. of acceptability. Yeah. You're dangerous. Mm-hmm. We've become dangerous. Dangerous to the institution. <laughs> we so, just might be that. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We look forward to uh, to the interview. Well, we're really pleased to be joined today by David Hayward, known um, across the inter- internet and elsewhere as the Naked Pastor. Uh, you can find out about David at nakedpastorstore.com. And... Uh, yeah. 30 years of church work as a pastor, a master's of theological studies, and 
since being a pastor, David has turned to being an artist. Well, turned to that part of his life. He does sketches and paintings and watercolors. Many of them speak to the process of deconstruction, uh, right. deconstructing systems of belief and faith, particularly where those things have been difficult or damaging. We've learned, and in us finding out about David, we've learned that David really speaks to a large community of people um, through Instagram and Instagram Live. And if you look at the comments on David's sketches and and art online, uh, you see a voice of someone who's really connecting with people in very, very helpful ways. And clearly has insight into the kinds of things that people are dealing with in coming out of uh, communities that may have had damaging theological perspective uh, or otherwise. So we're so glad you're joining us today. Yes, thank you, David. Thank you. Uh, from New Brunswick. Man, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. A, fel- a fellow Canadian as well, yes. right? Love it. We don't yeah, get to yeah. interview. Well, we do interview lots of Canadians, but I guess in COVID time, <laughs> we've reached further too, right? We have, but no, I love it. First East Coaster, yeah. I think. Yeah. Canadian East Coaster. Yeah, and we know like you have such a, a large following. You connect with so many people. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, uh, there's people all over the world that uh, I'm connecting with. My number one city is Sao Paulo, Brazil. That's where just the, the biggest group of followers are is in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, and Russia, and really Australia, South Africa. Um, France, Germany, Ukraine, uh, Poland, like just, it's just bizarre to me, uh, how, how big it's grown and how fast it's grown. And yeah. So, and I I appreciate you talking about the comments because I do a lot of work, keeping them clean and safe. And, um, so it's, but it pays, it's just a a wonderful community. I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and I've noticed that as, as I've, um, done some engaging and, and looking through through like your social media stuff that there there's very much a sense of it it feels like kind of congregational almost <laughs> like I, I i i receive that i love that mm-hmm. i love that i want i want that feel that people feel safe it's not a it's not a um uh, discussion board mm-hmm. it's yeah. not a forum right. for debate it's a community yeah. first and foremost you really yeah. do pick that up. And I, so we'll, we'll hear about your story in, in yeah. just a minute. But this as a door kind of towards that. As someone, I, I was also a, a pastor in an institutional church for 25 years. And when I hear those comments and why I hear you respond to Allison like you just did, um, I actually kind of get a little bit emotional because I pick up already as a fellow you know, pastor that when you're working in an institutional oh. church, so often there's like a thing between you and the person, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. the, the whatever it is from the institution, or mm-hmm. you have to watch yourself theologically, or mm-hmm. you have to, and and what mm-hmm. I see in your work now is, even from a distance and across miles, you're in many ways able to be more present mm-hmm. for those people that you're connecting with. Do you feel that? Yeah, I feel really free. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I always um, I always gravitated towards churches that received me. I was never placed. Uh, I never felt pushed into a congregation or, uh, you know, um, begrudgingly uh, accepted as a pastor or a minister. Um, I always felt like I was moving into a community that wanted me. 
And I felt that we uh, were going to be a good mix and grow together. I never came in as a top down kind of a person. I was mm. very, very, this is, we're a community and we're going to travel together. Mm. And um, so I, I tried to, I tried to nurture that kind of an attitude uh, wherever, wherever I went. Mm. So my last church really felt like to me, it was an incredible place like the community the the quality of community was really incredible um and i it just came to a point where we were no longer i i no longer felt i could grow there anymore i was starting to freak people out (laughs) (laughs) especially my 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 superiors Maybe some similarities and, in our yeah, no, stories. No, 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 I hear some echoes there. So, well, so why don't you go ahead and kind of tell us your story in some broad strokes or whatever uh, detail you want to give where you yeah, were and so, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so I, I grew up pretty conservative, evangelical, um, you know, ended up getting saved in the Baptist church, ended up moving to a Pentecostal church, ended up going to a Pentecostal Bible college in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Um, that's where I met my wife, Lisa. And from there, I went to Gordon Conwell in Boston to a seminary and studied New Testament under Gordon Fee and, and oh. other scholars like that. We, we and, share a professor. Uh, Gordon Fee was at, oh, Regent, really? yeah, was at Regent College when I was there. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, I've been to Regent as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, so my heroes were people like Gordon Fee, who is like a, a world-renowned New Testament textual critic, yeah. scholar. And... Um, Eugene Peterson, who was a world-renowned pastor. And, you know, uh, I was in the Presbyterian Church. Eugene Peterson was Presbyterian. Uh, I've been to several of his conferences. I've met with him. Like, he was one of my, I considered him one of my mentors, virtually. And and so I I, I like that blend of um, serious Mm -hmm. study and as well as being very intentional about being a good pastor. So... Um, uh, I ended up being ordained in the Presbyterian church, served the Presbyterian church for many years, but Lisa and I both missed the, um, more, uh, relevant, not relevant. Um, like we missed the worship music, like expressive kind of, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Presbyterian. We missed the, the passion. Yeah. 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 It's a little stayed. Yeah. Um, but so it was a trade-off. There's always a trade-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like some people say, and this isn't always fair. Would you rather try to put out a fire or would you rather try to light wet wood? And, and, um, it was kind of, it felt kind of like that choice. And, uh, so we ended up in the vineyard. You go from a Presbyterian church, church to, to the, the vineyard. vineyard church. Yeah, I'm I'm my That's own ecumenical movement. Yeah, you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been everywhere. Yeah. Baptist, <laughs> and, Presbyterian, uh, vineyard. Okay. Check, check, check. Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, vineyard. Wow. Four. Yeah, and I was born I was born Anglican, baptized. Oh my Anglican. goodness, David, you you so, cover quite a swath of like I've been around. the denominational spectrum. Yeah, and. Uh, so we ended up in the vineyard, which, uh, and the vineyard church here, Rossi Vineyard um, in New Brunswick, really great church, great community, loved it. And I was there for about 15 years, thereabouts. And um, just really, really loved it. But I, I had, uh, one, one thing I treasure more than anything is personal freedom and my desire to continue to grow. And I was 
starting to uh, explore a little bit outside of the box that the vineyard was comfortable with. Right. And I'm trying to say this as as gently as possible. Because yeah. uh, it was an amicable divorce. It was. It was. But, yeah, it was amicable. Okay. But it, it was clear that I was no longer, like when I was being requested to um, run my post through them first for oh, approval, yeah. I knew my time was up. What about because sermons? Did, you were preaching at this time too, right? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was preaching. And but, but the thing with my preaching, it was, I stood on the floor with the people. It was Q&A most of the time, very much discussion. And so I, I never felt like I was instructing people. I thought we were exploring mm -hmm. together. And so my preaching was not that far outside okay. the box, but my blog was Wasn't where I explored. <laughs> okay. And most of my people were like, why would we read your blog? We have to listen to you every week already. <laughs> and, and, so nobody read my blog, but other people were reading right. my blog and other churches, mm -hmm. and they were reporting on me. Uh oh, that's and, so um, yeah, that and so that's when the trouble started. And uh, I knew my time was up, and turned up within a year. Uh, I resigned, and then did a stint in a university here teaching, okay. and then uh, decided to jump full time in 2012 into being naked pastor full time. <laughs> Oh so that's what I've been doing ever since. You know? So I, I think it's worth asking where the title, the name Naked Pastor comes from. Yeah, the origin story to Naked Pastor. My first um, blog name was davidhayward.ca. And that was just boring. <laughs> and then, I, uh, then I, I came up with Church Pundit. I was a pastor at the time, so I called myself Church Pundit. It's good too. Um, and I thought that was a pretty groovy yep. name, but it also sounded a little bit, you know, highbrow. Yeah. And then um, I, I don't even remember actually doing this, but at the time, like the Naked Chef, the Naked Archaeologist, oh, the Naked Truth, ah. shows like that were popular. And I thought Naked Pastor would be really cool because I wanted to convey what goes on behind the curtain. I wanted mm -hmm. people to see the real life of a real pastor, like not just who, how many getting saved and how full the church was and how great the music was and how great the sermon was, but my struggles, my conflicts, my financial yeah. difficulties, my doubts and fears, all that stuff. So I thought Naked Pastor would be a That's good perfect. name. And I looked it up and it was, wasn't available, but for some reason I must've entered into a, an auction for it. <laughs> and I got an email months later. I totally forgot about it. I got an email months later. Congratulations, you won. Congratulations, and I'm like, David. I'm like, oh no, how much is the bill? And it was seventy six dollars or something. Okay, oh. so, you're like, this could have been really bad. Oh yeah, I've seen <laughs> could have been so really bad. You know, it's interesting. We we had an experience with the church that we were at, and and. I was in senior ministry there for 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then youth pastor 10 well, yeah, years before I had been, and then a bit of Presbyterian in the middle. Yeah, So I'd been youth <laughs> pastor at this church that has Plymouth Brethren heritage huh. for 10 years. Then I went as an associate and youth minister at a Presbyterian church um, here in North Vancouver and okay. then came back to the Plymouth Brethren heritage church in the senior ministry role and was there for 15 years. And like you, I loved it. I, and I'm still like, 
almost entirely yeah. grateful for it, right? The, yeah. the people, yeah. the in our experience, toward the end, it, it at the end, it wasn't amicable. No, it was it a was difficult not. split. There was a mediator brought in, all this stuff. But similar, that it was about, really, it was kind of vision and direction that set it and saying some dangerous things, in this case, probably from the pulpit. Yeah. Like, it's not good news if... For I mean, almost we, everybody, we, it's bad news. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we um, did host an event that was called "Is Church Dangerous," and that got some people. Yeah, concerned. we had we had we did these like um, uh, tasting room theology events. We call them, and we had one with three ex pastors and a friend of Whoa. mine, an Anglican minister friend of mine, who Ken Bell, who works on this uh, podcast as our our cupboard master. Um, he's a chaplain now, but at the time he was an Anglican minister, and so him as an Anglican minister and myself as a pastor in this Plymouth Brethren Heritage Church, we hosted this, is church dangerous? A conversation with three ex-pastors. Well, within, yeah, within a number of months, it was five ex-pastors. So, <laughs> you know, it's, there uh, might've been some red flags earlier, <laughs> but one of the things that, that I'm picking up from your story that might be familiar to ours is even though ours in the end wasn't amicable, it's still with, like good people. Oh yeah. And no. it just, it just and kind of broke. And no. so you would have had times where somebody in your church, then somebody in leadership, uh, you know, somebody above you, so to speak, came and kind of said, you know, can we talk to you about this? Did, did that, you know, and then they brought up the blog right. or they brought up that somebody had reported you'd done this. Right. Did that happen? Um, sort of. Uh, I heard from the leader of the vineyard and things like that. Um, and, you know, being, being, it was suggested to me from the top down that I should watch what I say wow. and, you know, run things through. Um, see, because I left the ministry in 2010, it was in 2009 where I had a profound kind of epiphany where I, I mm-hmm. saw in a moment the oneness of all things. Yeah. I don't want to have to get, I wasn't on mushrooms or anything like that. I was no, just totally I, natural organic experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that where I, I really, saw the oneness of all things that there's one reality and many perceptions of it and many ways to describe it but there's just the one reality and we're all connected and had a profound effect on me because i immediately felt peace of mind that i'd never known for Mm. ever any any time i i really really suffered theological angst all the way through my ministry because i couldn't reconcile all these things i felt were true so for example my conservative evangelical upbringing, my appreciation for the Bible, and yet Judaism, my Jewish friends, my Buddhist friends, my Muslim friends, my atheist friends, all, you know, I couldn't reconcile all that, my LGBTQ friends, et cetera, all these things I couldn't reconcile. But in that moment, peace of mind came where I just saw everything. And so that I started to try expresses, of course, not through my sermons, but Um, through my blog, I was, it was pretty open naked pastor, right? I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. I'm not going to hide anything. And and then, you know, uh, other churches in the area started saying, what's going on with David? You know, he's starting to sound a little weird. <laughs> um, and then, like, I even had people coming up and saying, like, uh, so we heard that you don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> or, or, or they would say, <laughs> like... Um, and how do you... Restic- oh, you do? <laughs> or they'd say... Um, uh, have you ever th- considered the possibility that God has withdrew his blessing from you? Oh, this is a vineyard and, church. Yeah. 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 And that you're no longer have a call to be a pastor. And, Actually, I had that. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then one person was like, 
yeah, you're an asshole, but you're God's asshole. <laughs> I love that. You can, I think you we can have our episode title. You, you can oh edit that. God's asshole. No, no. Not only will we not edit it, that's the episode title. Yeah. That's wonderful. But the, I mean, you think it's hard for those people too, right? Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah. And I mean, you, you've talked in, in generally this really positive way about being able to to reconcile all these things that previously had caused so much tension in you before mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i i know that you heavily talk a lot about deconstruction um right uh, both i know books that you've written as well as a lot all over your your artwork and your um instagram your like pastoral kind of like the community there seems to be a lot of people who for whom it's it's really difficult to let go. Like, I, I know there's a really positive thing. And, and I know for myself that I felt so much freedom as I've been able to, to make sense of things that I also held uh-huh. on to and was, wasn't quite sure what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, can you speak to, to what some of the, the hardships, maybe even you or that you've witnessed in the community from people who have been trying to step back a little bit or, or make some more sense of their faith? Yeah. So absolutely. I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about it. Um, I, I recommend people not to choose. Don't, don't throw anything away. Like nothing's wasted. Um, you don't have to say, I believe this now and I don't believe in this anymore. And Thank I don't, you. you don't need to do that. Thank you. The only reason you're doing that most for most people, the reason they're doing that is to satisfy the curiosity of other people. Yes. Uh, now, legitimately, a lot of people feel anxiety, like I did for all those years. How do how can I believe this and this at the same time? Um, so I just say, don't worry about it. It's just there, um, and let let it fall. You know, whatever falls by the wayside falls by the wayside. I compare it to um, I used to think of growth as linear, but I did I that wasn't good enough for me because it, it suggests that we leave stuff behind. Hmm. Um, then I thought of it in terms of stages, like James Fowler's stages of faith or whatever, where you kind of go up the ladder, but then it's like you're ascending and you're leaving stuff b- below and you're better than. Now I think of growth as spatial, where you grow outward and that nothing is yeah, everything's thrown included. Away. Yeah. Everything's included, everything's subsumed. You don't have to choose. It's like Love compost, it, it's half shit. Sorry. Yeah. No, you and and right good ahead. earth. Yeah. You mix the two together and that's what makes good soil. That's what I'm growing out of is all the the shit in my yeah. life and the good in my life sort of gets folded in together. And I don't have to pick and choose what is good and what's bad and what I keep and what I discard. It's all it all gets included. So that's why I encourage people to take this approach because then you you no longer have to be embarrassed or ashamed or or say I was duped. I can't believe I believed that. I can't believe I did right. that. You know, just, you know, you wouldn't be who you are now unless you are who were who you were then. It, it's all a part of your story. If you tore that chapter out of your story, if you tore that, um, you know, uh, CD out of your brain, right? you wouldn't be you anymore. You, you wouldn't be who you are anymore. So I just recommend people, don't, don't worry about it. Just let so... those things... Like a river floating by. It's so it's kind. got water and dirt yeah. and everything else in it. Just let it float by and uh, not to worry about it. Well, and let alone that, like you're using the metaphor of the river and water and various components. Mm-hmm. I've experienced this even 
way back when I was a youth minister. Um, and I would have, I would feel something akin to what you're describing now because I would have somebody who, you know, they have, they get more serious about their faith or something years later. And then they, and then they characterize the past as just mm-hmm. this entire negative thing, entirely negative thing. And what I always felt even back then, but certainly felt it more and more through the years was well not only does that include like kind of negating your experiences but there were people in your life back then people you were connected with people you had relationships and now you're casting this as this like big dark thing and i would always feel even from the evangelical perspective at the time well hang on god was if god's part of your life and you have that belief system god was as much part of your life then as god is now yeah and and in a sense you're casting that upon upon God's presence with you. So, but the way you characterize that is so kind because that fear is so present, well, right? And, and I know for myself personally, and frankly, Amanda and I are both kind of crying right now. <laughs> it's just full confession there. Um, because there was, there was a lot of stress for me when I, I, I very much remember the moment when all of a sudden things started to click and it felt like my world was unraveling. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. And it's like my parents didn't understand what was going on and other people didn't understand what was going on and I didn't understand what was going on. And it mm-hmm. felt like I needed to characterize things as like, well, now I understand better than I understand then. And then there was part where I have felt, oh my goodness, I can't believe I believed that for so right. long. How stupid was I? How <laughs> ignorant was I? And so mm-hmm. like, there's something like, I thank you very much, David. Like I feel like that was so, yeah, that was so kind. And like it's it's such a beautiful way to... to to understand it because like inherent i think in the term deconstruction can be this this negative connotation of just tearing down and it's like destroying and and that's not really what you're talking about no it's it's i i I compare i use metaphors all the time being the artist that i am i'm always picturing things (laughs) it's like a garden which many of us have grown a garden i i I started a vegetable garden on the side of a hill that was full of rocks and trees and weeds and everything. A lot of um, the work was just getting stuff out of the way so that things could grow. You can't, you can't um, get a tomato seed and pull on it. I hope that the tomato, um, you know, plant will, will grow as you pull it. Or the tomatoes, you can't squeeze them out of the stem. Like that, it's just natural. You just get out of the way and get other stuff out of the way. The rocks, the weeds, the trees, the pests, and just let things grow. And it's the same with yeah. when we deconstruct. It's the same kind of things. Just, just clear things. That's what deconstruction is to me. It's just kind of weeding the garden. It's not like you're, you know, um, napalming yeah. Yeah. your your history. It's, it's just getting things out of the way so that you can just continue to grow. That's, I do many cartoons like this where, you know, a whole lot of people are saying she's backsliding and she's mm-hmm. saying to herself, no, actually I'm growing. Yes. This is what growth looks like. So um, I try to, you know, I, a lot of people make fun of re- religion. Um, I make I, I try not to make fun of religion. I try to critique it, what's what's abusive about it or yeah. what's silly or stupid about it or wrong about it. <laughs> uh, but I don't make fun of. So, for example, somebody might send me a video thinking I'll get a kick out of it, of oh, Pentecostals yeah. freaking out 
rolling on the floor, right. laughing, dancing. Um, and they're like, can you believe these idiots? I'm like, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that been was there, me. Done that. Yeah. Yeah. Been there, done that. I got the t-shirt Yeah, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not embarrassed by that. No. Cause I was, I wasn't an idiot then. Mm. Like I'm not an idiot now. Right. I, I, I take agency for my story and I want everybody to take agency for their story and, and to own it. Like, you know, it's like, I keep repeating myself, but you wouldn't be who you are now unless you were who you were then. Like, just embrace that. Like you would a child, your own child. Um, and embrace your child, your inner child. Yeah. Embrace your inner teenager. Embrace your young adult who was head over heels over God and right. freaking out in the aisles and praying 24-7 and reading your Bible. Like, embrace that. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's it's such a, like, the clear, and the clearing the ground metaphor again put together with how you're speaking about the human experience there. Um, what I pick up from you is a trust in the growth. Mm. And, and I think sometimes the, the critics of deconstruction, um, but then also sometimes wrongheaded understanding of what deconstruction is, right? There's, there's sometimes this rush to be like, well, yeah, we are deconstructing our faith, but don't worry, we still believe or something. You know what I mean? You always have to kind of qualify. Well, yeah, there needs to be couching that happens. and Because yeah. there's like this fear, and, and at its root, what the fear is, is that we, the fear doesn't trust that there's actual growth. That's back to your, to this experience mm -hmm. of the all, everything well, included, right? I, the, I know, the, I talk about trust, this a lot too. You can trust yeah. the growth. You, yeah. If you just, just clear it away, oh, but what, that could be dangerous because well, then... I remember when, when we left the church that we were at, I had a very well-meaning friend say, well, don't stay away from church too long because then you might not go back. And in my head, I was right. like, is yeah. that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> apparently for you it is but like god and i we're fine like, yeah it, it was very um although like one of the things that and i know you've talked about it david so i'd love to to hear to hear some of this on mm -hmm. this um there there is there is cost to to walking away like as somebody who's been in institutional faith my entire life there there was a cost walking away from most of that and i think the, right. the biggest one is is the community that mm -hmm. that churches have Mm -hmm. um, I know that you've spoken quite extensively on community. What what sort of thoughts do you have about well about the kind of community that churches foster, but also what to do when that's not an option anymore? Yeah, well, I, I I do talk about this a lot because that's the number one biggest issue. If you were to do a survey of everybody deconstructing, what do you miss the most? They don't. I I bet ninety nine point nine percent would say community. Mm -hmm. Um. But it's it's so it's so complicated, yeah. Because um, I when I left the church, Lisa and I experienced that same loneliness, and you know n nothing offers what the church offers. That's the church's number one asset, in my opinion, is its offering of community, family. Yeah. Um, you know, you there's no other place. I've tried it. I've tried CrossFit. I've tried. <laughs> uh, I've tried Toastmasters. I've tried, you know, yeah. maybe you could try the knitting group. You could try, you, know, you could try anything, but nothing compares to a church where you can walk in and instantly be handed a platter full of friends, yeah. something to do on your weeknights, something to do on Sunday mornings. You got babysitters, you got mechanics, you got people who can help you out with groceries. You've got people praying for you, people yeah. who care if you get sick. Like it, there's nowhere else that compares. I know I've tried it. Now, 
we have to ask ourselves, is that really nor- normal <laughs> and healthy? So, you know, what? because what got me asking that was, um, you know, I, I've watched quite a few documentaries on cults. Yeah. And to a T, every member who's left a cult, they're crying because they miss the intensity of the intimacy they felt in the community. Yeah. And, and they miss it. There's nothing matches that. You know, um, they were getting screwed. Yeah. Like sometimes literally, yeah. but and also financially. All their money taken and, away. Yeah. yeah. Emotionally, financially, you name it. But the, the community was everything. Like, and they, they missed that and they missed their brothers and sisters and so on. So, yeah. So we, we have to ask ourselves, okay, yeah, I miss the community. Number two, what is it I'm missing? What was it actually? Like, was that normal? Right. Where I had everybody had to know my every secret. Yeah, your personal And I had to confess and everything. Yeah. And, and they had to to me. And um, I, all my time was for them. And all my, you know, my money, yeah. if there was any left over, went to them, and et cetera, et cetera. So I know it's complicated. So what Lisa and I did um, after a couple of years, we're realizing there's nothing out there. Like, we, what are we going to do? So we um, just started making new friends and restoring old friendships. And now we have, um, there's about under 10 couples now that we can call friends and we're never stuck feeling lonely. There's always somebody we can get together with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how we satisfy that need now. Plus, uh, for me, uh, online. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot funny. of people say they're that's shallow. It's not real. It's virtual. But for me, it is real. Well, I've I, made I, real friendships with people yeah. around the world. Well, and we're having a real conversation right now. Yeah. There's clear, you know, that there's the yeah. you can resonate on oh. that. You'd Absolutely, say. yeah. Well, and and I love that you talk about that. That's the church's greatest asset because I mean I think for myself I've largely experienced the community at, in in a reasonably healthy way and and not in a manipulative way. But I do know for for certain people that hasn't been their experience and right. having having that sort of intimacy as you as you um, so aptly named it, um, it can make it really costly to walk away or to try to push against the grain, even to ask questions. I've been in communities. I've walked away from communities where like asking questions was so dangerous that you get shunned. Uh, And I go, that's, that's not a healthy expression, but I think that is, that is something to talk about that there, there is a sense Mm -hmm. of, of appropriate grief for, for leaving a community. It is grief. It's absolutely definitely grief. Yeah. And it's in fact, that's what I, I talk about the phases of deconstruction and I use the model, the grief mm. model yeah. of, you know, um, denial, this can't be happening. Seriously. I've been in the church my whole life. This can't be happening right yeah. now. And, um, I believed in God my whole life. This can't be happening. And then, you know, the, the bargaining, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll try another church. Yeah. Maybe I'll experiment with yoga <laughs> or maybe I'll try crystals and incense. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll try a more progressive church. Maybe I'll experiment with, you know, this or that. And then you get to anger where you're really, you're really angry that you allowed this to happen to yourself or maybe God that he's abandoned you. And then you get to depression where this, this is it. It's, it's over. But then if you keep going, you get to the, 
<laughs> hopefully you get to the acceptance stage where this is my new life now and I'm going to make something of it. Hmm. So, and you speak so much about freedom and, hmm. and that's, I think like the experience you guys were just talking about. And I think for pastors, it's a little bit different, right? You would experience oh. the community thing differently. So we can yeah. hear yes. people like lamenting the loss of community <laughs> is now it, I didn't in our have the experience, same pressure that you did to we had, uphold we that had, community. We had so many people kind of leave at once that there were a lot of friendships yeah, that, that, that were maintained. Stayed. I mean, we kind of transplanted unintentionally just to yeah. be clear. We didn't mean like there, there was a core group of people that kind of went with us. So we still have a So it's kind of like all these people you're connecting with, you're still connecting with, but we've known many pastors yeah. who have left and all of a sudden their entire yeah. community has gone. At the same time though, there's a positive side of it for pastors too. Some of that leaving because the sense of community is different for the leader or the pastor of the community where it's, you, you know, you're, it, there's a loneliness in it that maybe isn't right. as present for some other people. And so some right. of the freedom that I've experienced is, even though I love the people and everything, right, is mm -hmm. actually kind of a freedom from some of those aspects of that community, right? Mm -hmm. right. I don't feel right. like I have to answer to so many people. I don't have to worry about what kind of everybody thinks about, oh, no, they, they're going to say that you said the wrong thing or something. And yeah. so you can kind of lament with people that loss, but, but see the hope in it right. as well. Before we get to your art, uh, one more yeah. question, and that's um, what, because we talked about some of the dangers or negative things it, that people mm -hmm. can feel when they're, when they're deconstructing. What are right. some of the first signs that you see of the real positive things? Because there's so many good things about it as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah. hope, yeah, on the other <laughs> end of this. this a sales job. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, uh, like I say, it's growth. This, you're, um, so if we think about, for example, James Fowler's stages of faith, um, where you, you move through the phases of growth, you know, from infancy to childhood, to adolescence, yeah. to young adulthood, to adulthood. Um, it's, it's growth. And each time you have to leave something behind. So infants, you leave behind your mother's breasts and the, you know, you're totally cared for and, you know, you don't have to do a thing. You're fed and put to sleep and then childhood, et cetera, et cetera. Adolescence, though, you start experimenting with your own autonomy, um, your own independence, your own personality. You're trying to break away from your parents' authority um, and control um, and even their love and care. Uh, and then in young adulthood, you, you move off. You have to learn how to live on your own, make your own money, make your own home and make sure your own family. So, you know, there, you do leave behind mm -hmm. the security of the former, but you move into something that at first is scary, but becomes its own kind of security. Mm -hmm. So now, um, like I, I had a wonderful community. They were my friends, like literally. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't experience that pastoral loneliness that I know mm -hmm. most pastors mm -hmm. feel. Um, so when I, when I, when I moved on, um, we, we did leave behind community. We had to, to totally start from scratch. You know, nobody came with us. Wow. And um, so there was that grief and, and leaving behind. But now I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder. Yes. Um, and I don't feel threatened by I'm going to lose my job because I am my own boss yeah. now. 
<laughs> so like I, I feel really, really free. And I'm actually now, I left the ministry when I was 52 years old. And I, I finally now feel like I'm in my stride and I'm doing what yeah. I'm supposed to do. And, and, you know, it's never too late and I love it. So um, that's the good thing. And I see that in a lot of people, like probably you guys as well, yeah. Yeah. where, you know, you're, you're happy, you're doing what you love, yeah. you care, and you're yeah. actually helping people. Yeah. And, and which is what we all wanted to do in the first place. So yeah. um, I do want so to talk great. about your art. It was certainly the, yeah. the first way that, that I encountered we you. The... We, we have a couple of mugs. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I love that. <laughs> like, why did you why did you censor that? I don't know. Anyway. My mother listens to the <laughs> okay, podcast. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh man, yeah. That's, she hears that all. The time. Sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah, I swore okay. a no, 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 no. She's she's heard that. Um, okay. So yours is left behind Mine is with left a behind with an ass cheek. It's so wonderful. Oh <laughs> my gosh, it makes cheek, me yeah. so happy. And uh, the one that we have for <laughs> and Todd mine is a is a pastor's favorite, right? Yeah, um, right. Eraser. eraser. So Jesus yeah. is erasing all the lines that people yeah. are drawing. And I just go, there's there's so much about about your artwork that that encapsulates, I think, how people feel where they still care about faith, but yeah. they're able to look at kind of in in my case for the left behind, some of the silly aspects of it and just like kind of going, yeah. really, really. And then with with <laughs> Todd's being like, no, it's these helpful kind of critiques to go, no, you don't have to be like that. <laughs> right, um, right. With this one, I thought of, I thought of statements of faith oh <laughs> when, I, when I saw this, right? Because we always had the statements of faith that we always well, had to sign, you Todd, know? Todd, on the his <laughs> bottom of the statement of faith, I'm much more of a rule follower than Todd was. So when he handed back the statement of faith that I needed him to sign, he said, sometimes yeah, I Yeah, I, I would always kind of qualify all the things. And nobody, nobody ever asked me about that. But anyway. <laughs> No, we didn't notice. That's funny. Um, have you always done this or is this something that has kind of come out as you've been leaving like in 2009 because you, you have cartoons you have watercolors mm. you you have quite a swath of, of stuff um mm -hmm. where have you always been artistic yes um I grew up in a home my dad was a painter um and he did large acrylic and oil paintings on oh my gosh board like large and he would just sit there and paint and so i i was inspired to start drawing i loved drawing animals as a little kid and you know um learned how to do watercolors and so i've always been painting and drawing <clears throat> and then went through my ministry um i would do paintings and stuff mm -hmm. it was in 2005 i saw a cartoon and i love a good cartoon in one frame I don't like long cartoons with a lot of words. I like just like a, a like a New Yorker yep. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just love yeah. love that. And um, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try and draw a cartoon, and I'm going to try a draw a cartoon every day until I run out of ideas. And I thought I would last a month. <laughs> and here, here I am, fifteen, well, sixteen years later, do still, still drawing do cartoons every day? every day. Wow. Yeah, I draw cartoons every day, and I paint every day. And um, wow. what I love about it was when I started sharing cartoons, you know, I used to write long blog posts and the people who read them might comment or whatever. Uh, but, you know, you, we're all busy. Yeah, most people don't read. We get bored things, easily yeah. and we don't want to read things that we don't agree with or whatever. So we will start reading and we'll just ah, forget it and move on. You can't do that with my cartoons. Yeah. No. 
like in a split second, it's right there. It's over. It's you. You can't unsee it. <laughs> yeah, and so and uh, I I just love that immediacy and that power mm. and that spontaneity. So um, yeah, I found that people like I still write. I write with my blogs and everything, but with my cartoons. But um, just the the effect that they have on everybody on everybody. I just love it. And know. Not all my cartoons are great. Maybe half, maybe maybe 10% are good. But I, I just love how effective they are. And so that's why I do it. I mean, you take, so, yeah, yeah. You take something so, so basic like this one, right? For those who grew yeah. up in an evangelical church, Baptist or otherwise, um, yeah. the rapture was a big deal. Oh, my goodness. And well, since we're allowed deal. to say that on this episode, and it scared the shit out of a lot of people. Yeah. Right? And Mid-B. that's, that's yeah. why this is perfect. Well, because yeah, this is this is a better use of the words "left behind" than something that the Christian, even just the Christian Church, has largely rejected. And a small branch of people believe this, but it took hold, right? And yeah. so, instead of fear, mm-hmm. clearly this, and you yes. can feel that. I mean, energy. I also love your other Rapture cartoon that that I'm familiar with. Your reverse reverse Rapture, where all the clothes go and people too. are naked. I'm like, oh. love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I actually remember. Yeah. Um, staging rapture scenes to scare people, no, like at camp or conferences no. or whatever, where you would we have to you would have your clothes this, laid this out. Oh it's too far. Like you'd, you know, like you did not take it. No. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh my yeah. goodness. Okay, I did not and have I, that. I, you know, I remember coming home from school and can't oh, find yeah. anybody in the house, and I think, oh, oh my god, like yeah. I'm this. It's over. Like I, I literally. Yeah. That, so. Oh my goodness. That happened with time change. No, and, there, yeah. and there's something about it that you, like, I, I remember feeling uh, like some some real fear about that. And then now I experience it. Then I'm like, there's enough time passed. I can laugh about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like reverse rapture because for those who don't know it, it's where your clothes get raptured, but you stay behind naked. So I thought that was pretty funny. It's great. I love it. The, um, <laughs> the But then... The, the, there's you have different kinds of art is one of well, the things that we've yes. been because we have another thing yeah. in the office here that you yeah bought. the Christ collage we we've got that as well but you do watercolor mm. you like so do you just do whatever inspires you or are there like certain well, kind of trajectories behind certain projects yeah um so there was an old icon of of Jesus Christ uh, Greek Orthodox you know made centuries ago um, that I, I really like. And I thought that would look really cool with a uh, rainbow halo. Yeah. I love and that one on the collage. So we call that, I call that includer. And um, that just started a trend for me. Uh, you know, the, I did one, one of my favorites is refugees where um, he looks like a refugee and his halos barbed wire and change where he's a street person and his halos, his sleeping bag. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, my images of Christ, uh, I really enjoyed doing that. And then there's my Sophia yeah. series, which is all about my soul's journey away from my captivity into my own personal freedom. And, uh, yeah. And then my watercolors, my cartoons. So I'm, I'm very, that's the thing. Like, I don't have a real job. I can, <laughs> I can. Yeah, this is I how can, you this is how can, you earn your living you know, now, right? Like this I is, can doodle all day. Oh my goodness. No, yeah. they're they're great. Um, but I mean, looking at you, talking to you, I, I go, you you clearly love what you do. 
Like you clearly find hope and meaning and purpose in it. Mm-hmm. And and so there's part where I go like are, if, are if people gonna... are scared of deconstruction. I go, this is what deconstruction looks <laughs> right. like. Like absolutely, it's, it's, it's fun and it's fun. And I like and and I love the fact that yeah, you've got the fun aspect in it as well. That you can you can take the funny things about faith and just enjoy those. And it doesn't always have right. to be serious. And right. um, yeah, I know there. I know. I remember lying on my bed at night in a, like a cold sweat, um, wondering what have I done? Um, and afraid of going to hell, even though I didn't believe in it anymore kind of thing. Yeah. We hear that. Is that that's how crazy the deconstruction is. Hmm. And, um, I know, I know there's fearful times now. I'm not saying, a, uh, you know, Somebody's going to say, oh, he doesn't believe in hell. <laughs> what I'm saying, there's a lot of people who question the existence of hell, but they're still afraid of going there. It's really, really crazy. It really messes with your mind. But that's that's what that's what growth is. That's what it looks like. And, you know, maybe we can remember growing pains growing up. And that happens in the spiritual world as well, as well where we, we're having to um, stretch uh and, and it happens some for some of us faster than others, and it hurts. Yeah. But it's, you get to that place where you, you can be happy, mm-hmm. like really happy, I, and, I and, and you feel free. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons your work resonates with so many people is this, this um, the differences in, in the media that you're using and the tone. Mm-hmm. So the playfulness, obviously, is something that people would yeah. see right away. Um, and the kind of the loving sarcasm a little bit, maybe sarcasm is the wrong word, but do you know what I mean? That sense yeah, no, no. It's where, good. where there's, it's, it's not attack, but it's, and then you get the watercolors, the Sophia mm-hmm. stuff. And that speaks to, obviously, I think it's one of the reasons people connect with you is it speaks to the human experience. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. We're laughing one time. We're literally laughing yeah. look at, at this thing, at this mug that, but then there's this, you know, deep emotional experience we're having as well in this process. And there you have art that, that speaks to both. Yeah. So yesterday's post, um, I posted a cartoon of Jesus talking, a woman talking to Jesus saying, I was never allowed to want anything. All I ever was allowed was to want what you wanted. I always had to do what you wanted. I wasn't allowed to want anything because a reason I drew that was because when I left the ministry, one of my mentors says, well, David, what do you want? And I couldn't answer the question. I I felt sinful even thinking about it because my whole life, all I was allowed was what did God want? And you were a pastor. (laughs) I I couldn't even dream what I wanted. And, And so you wouldn't believe there was like thousands of likes, thousands of shares, hundreds of comments of people who are saying, oh my God, this is exactly where I'm at right now. So I love uh, validating people's journeys. Like this is normal. This is actually healthy. Um, When you get a vision of yourself and you see, oh, like that's why I'm feeling so whacked, so weird. And and there's a way out of this and I can get to the other side. Mm -hmm. So that now when somebody asks me, what do you want? I can actually answer that question and not feel guilty about it. And, um, you know, so I think it's, it's worth the journey. Yeah. Every pioneer sets out, we're all spiritual refugees in a way, and pioneers, where you set out, you leave the security of, of 
you know, established town and you, you go through the wilderness, you have no idea what you're going to find. All you know is you want your own home. You want your own mm-hmm. land. You want to be yourself and uh, free to be yourself. And that's exactly what deconstruction is. It's messy. It's scary. It's treacherous. There's risks. Um, there's meager supplies. Uh, and the f- deeper you go into the wilderness, the less friends you might have. But, right. you know, people coming along with you. But once you find your own land, there's nothing beats it. Nothing. Mm. Nothing beats it. But when you when you walk into your own freedom, it, it's just there's nothing like it. That's everything. Yeah. Now, now you talk about so how, well like, this this is not a new thing for you. You've been doing this for, for quite a while. You're very experienced. In it's this. a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, I've, I've heard you reference before that, that you were deconstructing before it was popular. Yeah, you're like a, tra- um, a trailblazer. Yeah, kind of exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I'm curious if, if you had some thoughts as to what the future kind of, of, of faith and church and stuff like where, where do you see the trajectory going? Because, and I, I think some of it with, with so much stuff shifting online in, in light of COVID and, and all that sort of stuff that there's been kind of, I think there's going to be some lingering things to that, but mm-hmm. you've, you've kind of been ahead of the curve and then watched a whole bunch of people yeah, connect and join follow you. with you. <laughs> um, do you, do you feel like there's going to be a, like a lasting kind of, ripple effect on the institutional church i thought you were going to say a lasting supper that's one of my i have an online community called the lasting supper um and that's going to be one of the uh options i think for people is online communities i do not denigrate online communities at all just like i don't denigrate online dating or meeting your future spouse online i've known i know many friends who've met their couple online, they're happily married, they're wonderful people, they're not weird freaks. And it's the same with the community, um, the Lasting Supper, these people are really dear to my heart, and I am to theirs. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely is a thing, online um, community. Um, I hope, this is my hope, uh, is that the pastors and church leaders out there because of COVID and everything and because of the way things are unfolding and more people are deconstructing because it is a thing now. Yeah. Uh, it's legit. I, I hope more and more pastors will become more open-handed about their communities mm-hmm. and loosen their grip, relinquish control and let their people be free and figure out a way to do community like that. My, my driving question as a community leader always is, how can I be free without violating your freedom? And how can you be free without violating mine? If we can wrestle with that question, we'll have a dynamic, sensational, healthy community that's functional and, and, and good and healthy for us. So uh, it's all about the freedom of the individual. But you know, if my freedom is somehow hurting you, and violating your freedom, then it's not truly freedom. Because I think true freedom, right. responsibility comes with it somehow. And and so if we can, I, I really think in the future, if churches can be wrestle with that, the, the freedom of the individual, and how we can be free together in a group, um, I think that would, I've seen it. It makes for a dynamic community. It's amazing. Online and, and in real life. And how about for um in that process you draw such a positive picture there 
Um, so thinking of thinking of it kind of as a journey or whatever that you, you know you wound up in this place, but you can still look back and see friends and others who are still kind of protecting those institutions. They're still part. They might they might be kind of leery of you you know oh we still like david as a person but we're not too sure about what he's doing you know like that kind of thing right. and mm-hmm. um how have you personally experienced what it means to have compassion for those people to see to kind of well you know they're they're trying to hang on to they're this thing I, I really get it you know how has that come up for you um well the, the work I do, I have several books out as well. So the work I do is for everybody, including pastors. Uh, there's, there's pastors who are reaching out to me, rabbis, imams, um, who are reaching out. And, and you know, I, one, of my book is, one of my books is titled, Without a Vision, My People Prosper, where I, ta- I challenge the church to drop its vision and mission statements and just be a community um, and, and it'll prosper. So I, I think the church will always be. It, it's a thing. I, I think it has a right to exist because basically all it is is people volitionally getting together yeah. uh, around a common value or, or God or, you know, beliefs or whatever. And I think that's totally valid and they have that right. But please, can we just do it in a healthy manner? That's my, <laughs> that's my beef. Uh, and and so that's what I continually talk about. I'm not for the ab- abolition of religion or the you know of of the church or or anything like that. It will always be. But is there a way we can do it in a healthy manner? So I do see and get together with pastors and talk with pastors all the time. And I, I just had a, a meeting with a, a group of pastors in a, in a church in England on a Zoom meeting. Really? They were just asking my advice about how to, how to do community. That, I think, is really, really cool. And if, if um, more and more pastors, I think more and more pastors are going to have to come to grips with that. That's got to happen, mm-hmm. especially now with COVID, where people are realizing, gee, I haven't been to church in months and I'm actually enjoying this. I (laughs) I feel, I actually feel okay. (laughs) So yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's what I think is going to happen. And, and as we kind of draw to close now, I can see, we we can see the hope that is in you. Um, The kind of, uh, you guys are so encouraging. The appreciation. Well, I, I mean, I, I I think it might be, it might be that I was a pastor for so long, but honestly, what I see in your comments and how you interact with people, I love all the art and everything else, but, mm-hmm. but how you respond to, to people who say something, and that's only what I'm seeing publicly. I'm imagining you're having private conversations as well that yeah. are, you know, at some points heart wrenching and whatever else. But so to see that hope. So yeah. right now, as we sit in, um, you know, toward the, toward hopefully the end of a pandemic, whatever else, what, what mm-hmm. gives you hope right now? Why are you hopeful? In I just, I just, there, like you say, uh, the, the communities that are like for, so today my cartoon was an LGBTQ yeah, cartoon and um, I had to delete and even block a couple of people who were homophobic and just came in there with Leviticus 2013, blah, 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 blah. And, um, but there seems to be a growing, uh, the, and the people who are 
gay or transgender or whatever, and, and we're together and we're supporting one another. They're really wonderful. Like it's 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 a wonderful place where everybody's accepted and um, embraced and allowed to be authentically who they are. It's a wonderful place. And so that's my hope is that, just like I've always said, there's no perfect churches. It's only perfect moments. Hmm. So if we can just increase the moments, <laughs> you know, and, and just, you know, maybe that'll catch on like fire where uh, people will get a, a taste of what real genuine community feels like um, rather than this, you know, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And, uh, you know, rather like the vision I had or whatever you want to call yeah. it of the oneness of all things. And we're all deeply connected. Um, I believe that yeah. it's a reality. I don't have to work for it. Exactly. It's already here. I just have to keep <laughs> affirming it and uh, giving space for that to manifest itself. <clears throat> so that's what I'm going to do. And I, I see other people on board wow. for that. Yeah. So we're on board for it yeah, no, I and we appreciate what you're doing. And we can imagine also some of the challenges you face and people, you know, saying things or whatever. And, but it appears that you're handling that well also. Well, I, I make a card. I make cartoons out of that too. I, I put them. Those and I'm like, Ooh. Do you see the little quotes I put up yeah. of, uh, of uh, bad things people say? We're, we're, and you know, yeah. it's fun. We're grateful that you're in Canada. We think that there's oh, a Canadian yay, kind Canada. of particularity to some I love of this Canada. stuff. We can't wait to meet you in person. We'll have you over that would here be great. or something, bring oh. you to Vancouver. Um, oh, and, uh, and thank you. Thank you so very much. We'll, we'll keep up to date with everything. Yes. Remember, those who are listening, it's nakedpastorstore.com. Or nakedpastor.com. Naked Pastor, but uh, one word. If you do two words, you're going to see things you can't unsee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just to be clear. Really? You'll see, actually see naked pastors. And nobody yeah. wants that. Thanks yeah, so you much. You don't want to see that. Yeah. All right. Take good see care. you guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.